0: Hello! Thank you so much for clicking on this new episode of Balancing the Bars! Welcome back! We'll be delving in on this episode with a very crucial topic We'll be talking about financial freedom and what it means to you. Now, whether or not you have thought about this before, this is something that you definitely need to hone into. And we'll be laying out the path that hopefully makes it easier at the end of this video. So I am Dahlia, your co-host. And I'm here with my co-host, Wanita. Welcome, welcome.
1: It's always, always fun to be here.
0: <laughs> and we have two very special and enlightened guests. We have Jody who's on our call and you won't be seeing her today, but you'll definitely be hearing her and seeing her virtually. And we are here in studio, joined by Mr. Abdul. Welcome down to balancing the bars. How Thank are you? How are you doing?
2: Good, good. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, we're yeah. happy to have the Mr. Famous here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you didn't know, he is TikTok famous, and that's exactly how I met you <laughs> first. <is> <laughs> and ironically, talking about finance and yeah. business, amongst other money matters. Yeah. So we're gonna dive right in, and I wanna know. What does financial freedom mean to each of you on the panel tonight?
2: Okay, we go first? Okay, so financial freedom to me, um, uh, a very specific definition is that uh, you should be able to make money to cover uh, your needs and wants without having to input your time to earn that money. That's yeah, it. Yeah,
0: that's as simple as it gets. <laughs> but what about you, Anita?
1: I've always thought about it as... Anything that I can put my mind or my hand to financially without feeling a burden. So that's how I've thought about it for a very long time. And it doesn't mean that I need to be rich, but I can just go somewhere and pay and not feel like, oh, my gosh, this is coming out of this other bill or something like that. Okay. that's how I've thought about it before
2: what you're saying there is important you uh-huh. have applied an, a psychological definition to financial oh, so wait, freedom okay I have kind of applied oh. a mathematical or numbers mm, so it's, yeah. it comes out to the same yeah but okay. the
0: balance should be really important though mm-hmm. Jody what do you um, hear and what do you think immediately when you hear of financial freedom
3: um for me it's a time thing it's Um, I can do whatever I want with my time. If you guys know a lot of millionaires, billionaires, people that just have a lot of money, they have a lot of time freedom. And to me, when I think of financial freedom, I think of time freedom. And that's um, one of the main goals I'm working towards is just having money come in and I don't have to work hard and I can do whatever I want to do with my time.
0: All right, great. So I wanted to have that on the table first, before we delve into why you think that way, because you said something that's very key. You described it from more of a mathematical side, Mm -hmm. as opposed to Anita here, and of course, Jodi. So what we do in our lives actually has a key role in how we think about these really vital things like financial freedom. So tell me, how has your life experiences and what you do day to day play on your view on financial freedom?
2: Um, well, you know, if we're going to speak candidly, right, uh, for I'm 28 years old, going to be 29 this year for a long time, uh, I was in school, you know, so I'm an academic for the most part. And then early on in my uh, career after, you know, exiting school, I wasn't making a lot of money. All right. But, um, I was always involved in, uh, financial ideas and thinking about money and screwing up a lot with money, you know, from my parents' allowances and what I would get on my own, right? So I made a lot of mistakes and then now I'm in a, a situation professionally where, um, again, if we candidly speaking, I do, um, you know, make good money now, right? So now, <laughs> so it's like now I'm, I'm able to uh, see on both sides, uh, okay. you know, I mean, it's not a big, big thing, you know, to, to talk about, and you know, but... But I, I, I get, it offers me like a good perspective there, right? Like what it's like to be without money, was like to screw up money, was like to have money, screw it up and be good with it as well. So I've done all of it, right? And my life yeah. has been molded around those different actions, uh, up to date. Yeah.
0: But that's that's the journey though. You don't yeah. get it right on the first try. There's no, no one, one that does it. Mm-hmm. And Jody, can you tell us how how does your life shaped your relationship with money and how you view financial freedom?
3: Um. So my story is a little different. So I moved to the U S when I was 14. I'm currently 26 years old. So I've been here for 10 plus years. Um, and uh, I think the, it the, the snap happened when I moved here. Um, I essentially when I was living in Ghana, I didn't, think about i mean i was doing okay in school but i wasn't thinking about the career about what i was going to do like mm. once i wrote cxc anything like that And then my mom moved to the states i moved with her um a year after she was here and then it really snapped because i saw her struggle so much in this land of quote-unquote opportunities you know people come here it's the land of milk and honey and you know you can get anything that you want so that really changed my perspective when i was i went to did all of my high school, went to college in the United States. And I knew that I didn't come here. I wasn't given the second chance, this opportunity to come to the United States to be average. So I took that and I ran with it and I, you know, decided to major in accounting. Um, I do have a degree in accounting and finance um, and, you know, use those skills and the things I learned in school, the things I learned at my nine to five job, because I am currently a senior accountant at a, a company in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, just use those things to maneuver and find ways to give myself that financial freedom and teach it to others as well. Kudos to you.
2: (laughs) JD, that's, uh, I'm I'm very, uh, happy to hear your explanation of, you know, the past 10 years in life so far. And I'm seeing an interesting parallel, a similar parallel, actually. Um, when I, when I mentioned before where, you know, things have gotten better for me financially. It's because I left Guyana. I don't know if it's a sad or happy thing to say. Yeah. (laughs) Mm. So And and you just said the same thing happened to you 10 years ago. So I I, I see similarities there.
0: And I think a lot of people do um, share that um, leaving and coming out of this little nest that they would call it because you were born here and whatnot and you've Face, you're forced to change, yeah? Mm-hmm. You're forced to see things in a different way. And that um, actually brings up a question that we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Winita, why don't you lay it on the table so we can get a little vulnerable? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, one of the things we were talking about before was one of your like financial mistakes. And I feel like listening to everybody, definitely talking about migrating and, you know, have an opportunity to be better. Mm -hmm. One of the things I want to touch on before we go into that is that one of the things I've learned, yes, growing up, my reality with money was, oh, we didn't have, so I can't look at something and want it. Mm -hmm. Psychologically, it makes you feel like you're not worthy of that thing, especially when you're a kid. Wants and needs are kind of like the same. <laughs> so you that grow up true. feeling and thinking that way. Um, coming into my adulthood, for me, now I look at money connecting to your gift or something that you're talented in. I'm fortunate enough to have moved and have had an easy flow and a different perspective with career and money. I don't see money as a like this big like prize as me working hard. it's This is just this other extension, it's a resource, it is supposed to be there for me to do what I need to do. It's basically a resource for me to be more of who I am already, that's all. And well, that's all in my opinion, and so it's connected to what I am good at. And you can be good at many things. We talked about millionaires, They are good at a lot of things and they've created financial freedom around what they're good at. So they're not working hard and all this extra stuff. They're just basically mastering what they're good at and more resources are there to be more of themselves. Mm -hmm. So that's how I viewed it now. Going on towards financial mistake, just thinking that money is something that's impossible to have. I feel like that's where my mistake started out first. Because I felt like, oh, only a certain type of people can have certain things. But if I really look at it and I really do my part, I can have those things too. I'm not limited to having a big house. I mean, if you want a big house, have a big house. But Mm -hmm. do you want it because you want to do other stuff? Or you really want it for your personal, you know. Like everybody wants things, but the real reason is not always clear. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah. so one of my major financial mistakes starting out is looking at money as a bad thing and looking at it as it's impossible to have. I think a lot of people could share or relate with me in that way. Kind
0: of like separating yourself from from this big, ooh, money, enough money kind of thing. (laughs) Because that's how we are as children. (laughs) It's true. Um, I think that a lot of us, especially in a third world country, could relate to that. Especially if you're coming from... um, Definitely not the upper echelon. Mm-hmm. You see money as this, oh, when i all in gray, I can probably have what these people in the movies, um, uh-huh. they have. Mm-hmm. And I believe that my biggest mistake um, when it comes to my relationship with money and my worst financial decision stemmed from how I view financial freedom. Mm-hmm. And my view of it was someone else's view of it, mm-hmm. that I had to wait until I was big and old Mm. (laughs) to be in a position of comfort and to do things that were soothing to my soul. Um, And I had to go through all of this hard struggle to get there because that's what I was told. And I digested this. And so the process of unlearning caused me to make way better financial decisions in my business and um, definitely in my studies as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But Jody, let's hear from you. What was the Biggest spill that you made, um, that you cleaned up and learned from <laughs> when it comes to finance?
3: Um, I would say getting out of the mindset of like I can't I have to save, 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 and I can't spend anything and I have to like be this frugal person to have financial freedom, which is not true. Um, that was one of my biggest things when I started out this whole journey and you know, trying to figure out like money and all that stuff. I've always removed my emotions from money. I always knew it was one of those things, especially in the field that I was in before my current job is like, you know, it's a rough and tough um corporate America kind of thing. You know, you got to take the punches, all that stuff. So I have already removed those emotions, but it was the fruit, just being frugal about things and, you know, keeping everything for me and holding on tight and only paying bills, never really like, you know, doing anything for myself. And if I want some shoes, no, 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 I can't get it because I'm going to, you know, miss out on this and I won't have enough in my savings for an emergency when I had more than enough in my savings for an emergency. So, yeah, I think that was one of my biggest mistakes is thinking that way that in the scarcity mindset um, that, you know, if I spend it, it won't ever come back, but that's far from true. It's when you, are abundant with your money, when you are, you know, a cheerful giver, yeah. that's when it starts to flow. And that's when it comes right back to you tenfold. Mm-hmm. Law of attraction, baby. I love it. Yeah. Mr. Abdul, let's just hear from you.
2: All right. So, um, uh, I, I'm hearing a lot of a common thread in the, in the three of you, right? Perspective about money. All right. Um, like we were discussing before we started taping, um, you know, like X amount of dollars means different things, to different people, right? Um, and what jd was mentioning about um you know financial uh, security um you can get you can get the things you want all right without necessarily having the money right by credit and leverage and so forth and paying it back if you have that that inflow there but then and then there's this other aspect of well you just maybe sometimes you don't want to get in debt and, and spend and so all right um but anyways overall with regards to perspective all right um many people have different ways of making or stretching a dollar, right? I heard Dave Chappelle once famously, was it Dave or Chris Rock? I don't um, don't know. But uh, one of those guys said, um, you know, if Bill Gates woke up with Oprah's money, he'd kill himself, (laughs) So
1: Yeah, because
0: it's it's a step down for him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh (laughs) Right? So, yeah, perspective, right? Good. Uh, With regards to my worst financial mistake, um, my worst financial mistake is... Currently my vehicle in Grenada <laughs> that I drive. Oh, <laughs> that has only me ups- when you're there? That has me upside down because like every month I spend foolishly on it. Uh, then the next thing is like I bought a $200,000 cell phone a few years ago, because, a Samsung Note 8 because it has a big screen. And I was studying study material the was like mo- mostly video based. And I said, okay, I'm going to use this phone and look at videos under it. I never did anything like that. Sold the phone for $130,000, took a $70,000 last all right <laughs> that's, that's
0: not a big <laughs> financial mistake <laughs> for him girl for him it could be and yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: well I'm, I'm upside down you. on my car so.
0: okay See? I, I, i'll give you the car <laughs> but definitely we have so much more juice <laughs> on when we come back of course we have some very vital questions we'll be asking our guests and we're going to be learning from them as well so be sure to hit us back and enjoy <laughs> And we are back. We are diving into what financial freedom truly means for you. And by now, I hope that you're sitting down thinking because we're going to dive into some practical examples on how to get there. Because I'm pretty sure at this point, I'm speaking for myself too, we're all kind of extremely tired of all of the, you can do this too. And you know, the <laughs> quick know. quick tricks. And Jenny's yep. laughing there. She knows what I'm talking about. And it seems very vague and... Mm -hmm. Not for an 18-year-old just coming out of Cape and really wondering, what the heck am I going to do here? Mm -hmm. How do I really earn money and make it work for me so that I don't spend the next 20 years of my life probably working for someone else? Mm -hmm. So, uh, Mr. Du, what are some steps that you've been taking to gain financial freedom in this lifetime?
2: Okay. (laughs) So, uh, first of all, there are many routes to financial freedom anybody can take, right? Right. some people, I, I know financial freedom and this thing about, and to incorporate what you guys said, right? If you want to work and you feel free work, and do that. Do that. All yeah. right? Especially if you feel you command a high salary. You know, some people, you know, in their 20s right now are easily making 10, 12, 15,000 U.S. take-home money. That's fine. If you want to do that, that's okay. Some people don't want to input that time and get and get it done, right? So if you, if you want to go that route all right, Um, and even if it's a low salary as well, right, I don't want to, you know, disenfranchise anybody, whoever feels happy doing whatever, but if you don't want to input your time, there, you know, many ways to skin a cat, basically, Uh, you know, some are more realistic, some are less realistic, for example, I was calculating the other day, uh, if I wanted to make a million dollars a month from this guy in stock market, I would have to have 72 million dollars invested in Demar Tobacco, um yeah i ain't got yeah. the tell right? <laughs> right now <laughs> so that, that route you know if you got to do that some people do you know um you know some people uh want to build a house you know build your upstairs keep the downstairs separate rent it out if you want to do that all right um and then of course there's a business route all right um opening a business but then a business is just like some especially when it's small It's just like a job where you got to put your time in until you get to the point where it's bigger and you can scale it, where you can carve out some money to hire a manager to replace you as best as that replacement can happen, all right? And then scale it up from there, multiple locations, whatever, all right? So mainly those are like the three quick ways I would would think to get to that, based on my definition, right, where uh, minimal input of time is needed.
0: Yeah, but how, how which route have you taken so far?
2: Oh for which me. Which route are you on? Yeah. All right. So for now, right? Um, my big thing is uh real estate. For me, real estate is the fastest way to get there. And I, I'm using like the McDonald's strategy, right? Like McDonald's, their locations, they don't they're not in the business of hamburgers, you know. They're in the mm-hmm. business of real estate because they own all their locations outright. The mm-hmm. the property.
0: But that's how you really make that money.
2: Right, right. Yeah. And <laughs> residential real estate, for example, say if I have this home and I live upstairs and I rent out the downstairs, that's fine. That's just one, one way of getting money from real estate. But if I have commercial real estate, which is a different category, you can run a business from there. You understand? It's, it has higher upside in terms of um, uh, valuation over time and that kind of thing. So basically all I'm doing is just trying to stack up as much cash as possible until I could get my hands on some commercial real estate.
0: Yeah, we shall be doing some business then.
2: Because, because with commercial real estate, right? Remember I mentioned there you can do a business or you can do real estate. With commercial you could do both. Yeah. And I that can live upstairs true. at the back. So
0: <laughs> in a little kucha carna. you yeah, good as long as if I want. Yeah, I feel you. Rock it like that. Gotcha. Joe D, can you tell us what are some steps that you're taking to make sure that you enjoy the fruit of your labour?
3: Um one of my biggest steps is take it, starting off in the corporate America route. Um, so I started working right after I graduated um, college. And I told you guys a little bit about my story. I went to school, I made sure I did what I needed to do. And I was interning with that previous company. Um, I interned with them twice um, and I did their leadership program. So I was. they knew that I was coming back for this full time position, um, but I actually didn't like what I was doing. I used to be an auditor, um, a financial statement auditor, hated every minute of it, um, but I knew that I needed to stay there To reap one the benefits of the company, Um, very big name company, Um, and if you have that on your resume for two years, you are solidified in the U.S. in any accounting job, any Mm finance role, you can get anything because you have that on your resume. You could have you you ain't gotta learn shit, like nothing. Sorry, I don't know if I can curse here, (laughs) (laughs) but you don't have to learn anything in that job. But once it's on your resume, it's a booster. It gets you to the places where you want to go to. So That's what I did. I played that role. And now I'm in a position where I have a lot more time freedom, which is great for my business. Um, Mm -hmm. I do run a accounting business and bookkeeping services. Um, So that's the route I took and I'm taking when it comes to real estate. That's a that is a whole market that I am just like, let me get my house first, and then I'll step into the you know the investment properties and stuff like that situate myself um and i'm also in the stock market i do play around with crypto um i have a long-term portfolio for both crypto and um stocks in the u.s and i do have a short-term portfolio where it's just like oh gambling money let's put some money in the dogecoin or whatever and see what it does so um my biggest thing for anyone that's 18 um Like he said, just to piggyback off of him, just know where you want to go because I knew entrepreneurship wasn't for me when I got out of college or even got out of high school. I wasn't ready for that. That's a lot of sacrifice. That is a lot of, you know, it's not stable. And I know I wanted some sort of stability first before I stepped into that entrepreneurship um, route and experience. Um, I, I think experience can take you so far. So even if you are thinking about being an entrepreneur, shadow someone that has a business, work for another bigger business owner or somebody that started as a small business and just see what they have to offer.
0: Yeah. Winita is an international model among other things. Mm -hmm. And she is, for me, I feel like as a model, it's different, Mm -hmm. you know? So how is it that you are going forward in that path of financial
1: freedom? So having the career that I have, it forced me to think about financial freedom most people think it's not stable because after like a certain age, you know, you can't, you know, model or whatever. Which teach his own, yeah, which is a lie. So <laughs> teach his own. Um, it's also a thing where at a young age you are forced to be your own boss because in the reality of things, your agent, anybody else that you have on payroll, you are basically paying them. They work for you. They take their little 10%, 20%, but you're basically doing most of the work. So um, after like a year of modeling, I had to learn where my money went, what I was spending it on, and just understanding where I wanted to be. I knew that I didn't want to be a famous model. If it happened, thank you, Jesus, but that was not the thing because I know other colleagues who work who are not famous that make bank every year. So one of the things once that I wanted to challenge myself with was making $100,000 one year. And so I broke it down. And it was $300 a day. But that's $300 a day of me keeping $300 a day, not me earning that. So that was just like a start of me playing around with, oh, if I want to earn a certain amount, how much would I have to earn per day, per month, and things like that. And it is different because I don't have a salary. Yes, I get paid every month, but it varies because each client pays something different. Contracts are different. It's not the same. So also educating myself on what that meant for me as a business owner, as a brand, and then also looking at other areas of income that I would like to do. I work um, time, but it's not like if I feel the time, unless it's like a 13-hour day or something like that. Uh, but it, like I don't feel it. that a
2: psychological thing you were t- yeah, talking about? Yeah, as
1: someone who's sitting at a desk having to punch in, I don't have to do that. I have to be on set for a certain time, leave, and everything else is you know there but of course I have to keep that energy keep whatever I'm doing for that client to be rehired again.
0: Yeah, that consistency. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. So another thing that I did to help with financial freedom is to read. I'm a big reader. I I feel like knowledge is always there anywhere and just talking to people. I'm not afraid to ask questions even if I think it's a dumb question I want to ask because I want to be where you are or better. And so I started reading things on finance and then just kind of having a different relationship with money. Instead of feeling like I'm paying a bill and rolling my eyes, I just thank the money. Like I read somewhere where in this other culture, when they pay for something, they thank the money for doing it because that's the resource. It's not like they're praising it Mm -hmm. or anything like that, but you're being grateful. So another thing that I started doing, and this is just like self-work, is just being grateful for where you are like just understanding the place that where you're at I know everybody wants to get to another place and Mm -hmm. be in a place that is nicer and better but I feel like once you really take a full account of where you're at clarity comes and you understand what's the next move so out of that I started realizing okay I'm blessed to do what I'm doing but I want to do more then, okay, that means I have to now look at how I'm spending. I'm a big foodie. I don't look like it, but I love me some food. Mm-hmm. And I noticed that I was spending a I, lot I of money. I, I bet
2: you are a bigger <laughs> foodie than you.
1: <laughs> I was spending a lot of money on just food. Uh-huh. And, and I was just like, this is going crazy now. Like over three, dollars $500 on food. Mm-hmm. It's not going anywhere, but mm-hmm. the money, it's coming out of my account. So I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to start having to make food. Even if it's for a year, I have to walk with my lunch, fine. But it's just for a time. At the end of that year, you see how much you have kept. And I think financial freedom, mm-hmm. people think wealth. Wealth is not so much about how you spend, it's about what you keep.
0: Yeah. It's about what you mm-hmm. keep.
1: Yeah. And if I can keep more than what I am spending, then I get to do more. And it doesn't always have more. to mean... Yep. Luxury. It doesn't always happen to me the best thing. It's just like, again, I'm being more of myself so I can buy more food if I want. Mm-hmm. But I don't have to think, oh, this is coming out of something else. Another thing I just started doing too is just realizing where I fit. Some people would like to own a business. Others, it's just that's not them. So I may fit with, I want to do stocks or something else. But then get in, like, get in the know of what that would mean for you, what that would look like for you, and then... Start getting prepared for the things that you have to do, not just read it or like think that it's nice, but really commit, like commit to doing the work. Because as I said earlier, I've come from a space where I didn't have and I know what it like that made me feel like it made me feel like very trapped. Yeah. And for the simplest of things. And I'm just like, I'm not supposed to be feeling like this for something this simple. So that's what kind of made me feel like, okay, once I get to a place where I'm earning, this is how I would like to earn and this is how I would like to be, not just for myself but for my family. Because like, it feels good to know that you can earn and you can feel free and then people around you benefit from that in a positive way. And that's just my aim for now. Mm-hmm.
0: You truly hit home there <laughs> when you spoke about feeling trapped. Mm-hmm. And I think... at uh, any point in your life it doesn't happen at any particular age or exactly even phase but at every person that is alive on this planet earth has reached to a point where they felt trapped whether it's um they're at a place where they feel as though they're not earning enough or they're earning and they don't know how to get out of that particular bracket Mm -hmm. and for me i definitely realized that i felt trapped in more ways than one and not only financially and sitting with myself was the first step to me taking this journey of being financially free and it went down to the core of me being my habits and what I'm doing it's the moving from I don't really want to wake up this morning to hey girl you got a book in for seven you (laughs) you're gonna get up because I love the feeling of meeting new people and My job really allows me to learn so much from other human beings. And that really fuels me because it makes me feel as though, okay, I'm not... Facing four walls anymore, and so it's it started from something that simple: changing my small habits, how I talk to myself during the day, how I spend my money, how I allocate to certain things, um, training my employee, looking at how I can level my business up, and it really just boils down to what you do in those twenty-four hours every single day, and the time adds up. And I think one of the most important things is realizing that. Um, Nothing really changes unless you pick up the small things in your life. There is no way you move from making that minimum (laughs) wage in Guyana, um, which we really need to talk about, to jumping to what we... What what was it? The Lamborghini guy? Lamborghini? (laughs) Was that the car that came in? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To jumping to um, that Mohammed stage. And I really feel as though we have a young audience here at Balancing the Bars and a lot of them are going to feel like, okay, well, three people um, out of the four on this panel would have left Guyana and they've traveled and seen other things. But what about um, the youth mm. like me? Oh, yeah. right, um, well, look, look, I have, so, I have something <laughs> to
2: say for that, right? Yeah. If, I, if I if I had stayed in Guyana, I would have done okay too, you know? Mm-hmm. Alright? Um, I, I where I am now, right? I probably wouldn't be making all that I'm making now in Grenada, but I would have been making almost about close, close to around what I'm making now, but not Mm -hmm. to the point, right? Mm -hmm. So, it's not not because we left, right? Um, You know, you obviously are very driven, JD, is obviously, I mean, I, I can't read. I can't predict. You know the, how those alternate timelines would have have uh, gone, but because I know people who left, and I know if they truly stayed, nothing would have happened for them, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so that. basically, it all comes down to personal responsibility. Yep. All right. Um, I re- I rarely uh, tolerate people lamenting too much over their financial situation, especially if I mean there are obviously people in Ghana. Thousands of people in Guyana who truly have desperate financial situations, families, you know, places of poverty, Mm -hmm. all right, that are perennially, you know, and persistent, you know, that's there, all right. Um, But at the same time, we can't be savior to everybody. But for those subset, and they are big too, who can do something for themselves, they have to take that personal responsibility and not lament too much, right, and and just get it done. A lot of people have uh, opportunities that are coming their way that they can take a lot of people just have need something. Something has to click in their Shindle, mind, and yeah. time can, yeah. time can only time time only has to pass to them for something to click, and they'll realize what it is they have to get done. they like just have to wait for that magic to happen in them. Yeah,
0: like a big bang, but for your brain, mm-hmm. guys. <laughs> things are getting really heated, yeah. but we're gonna talk about the most vital aspect of wealth, how it comes through the generation, mm-hmm. and we're taking a short break, and we'll be right back. <laughs> Thank you for sticking with us. So if you are from the Caribbean, you're probably familiar with this saying, I went through the struggle, so you got to go through it too. I ain't had this and this and this, and you got to know what it's like to not have it and whatnot. How do you feel about that mindset, Um, especially with parents who are maybe now coming into wealth and sharing that wealth with their children, they kind of teach that you're supposed to go through some sort of struggle to appreciate it. Do you feel that that methodology always works? Because that's how, especially in our area, we view generational wealth. It's either, it's either you completely spoil this child rotten, or you make that child learn how this money came in this family. You know, it's, it's, it's a, a big scale, and I think we need to find an in-between. Mm. What do you guys think?
2: All right, so basically, um, I have a more uh, relaxed view to that, right? Like, for example, look at what ri- look at what the rich do, right? Uh, the rich uh, don't. Re- they, I mean, they don't really limit their children. Not, not. That's not to say they have their hand in the honey pot. The kids have their hand in the honey pot, right? But you know, you. I don't know. I don't think. I don't really know if any billionaires are like limiting their kids. You know, like that. Alright, so basically it helps to just emulate what they're doing, right? Like, I have to, I have two kids, alright? And my ideology financially for them when, as I grow them up, I will support them uh, within reason for whatever they want, alright? Like, for example, my parents, I, I didn't grow up, I didn't grow up like poor or anything, alright? I actually kind of grew up um, kind of cushioned, right? Because my father was with guys who so used to live in the estates, you know, made, driver right? the didn't pay any bills, you know? So... But at the same time, right, my father, uh, they, they kind of had me on a tight leash, right? There was a point in time in high school, right, just the other day in the 2000s, I was going to school with $200 a day, all right? Uh, in high
0: school or primary school? In
2: high school, right?
1: Damn. All <laughs> right, I don't know why, <laughs> <laughs> all
2: right? So they kind of had me a, on a short leash, all right, in terms of a next thing is that with regards to um, how parents should deal with their children, all right? Um. You know, if they need money to go, if you have the money and you can afford it and you need to send them to this school or, you know, you want to buy them this thing and you know it's going to, you know, pay gains in the future, do it, right? There's, you know, don't, don't, especially if somebody's 25, 26 year old, all right, and they still kind of need your help. You're, you know, at, at that age, people are still trying to get things done. Why would you, uh, you know, make things hard for them in the interest of, uh, you know, Making Being them tough, learn. tough love. You know, people, you know, they, they need help, right? Um, obviously not spy, I'm not saying that at all. All right? And then I have a very controversial view on the other end that, you know, um, I don't believe that uh, children have any, should have any financial responsibility for their parents, right? Uh, mm-hmm. As an adult, especially as a parent, you should have started out this stuff long, long ago. All right. Um, this thing in Guyana where um mm-hmm. you give your salary half your salary to, to your every mother every month. You know, you're you, it you, since you started working 16 years 26 now you still, you know, like some people don't want me to say that. Some people kind of agree with it. It's a very controversial thing to say, but I don't believe that a, as a parent you should be a financial burden. I mean, I certainly um you know. Don't want to be a financial burden to my children because one, I should have had generational wealth to pass on and to them, them yeah. and they should be building on top of that. Exactly. Not they now struggling mm-hmm. and that's totally deal agree with on me. That. Dragging you behind, totally you know, it's a waste of chromosomes that whole gen line of generation. Now.
0: <laughs> yeah, there we go, there we go. <laughs> but despite it being an, an unpopular opinion, I completely agree with you. Yeah. And the only reason that parents do feel entitled um, to their children's wealth is because they made children for the wrong reason. Some people deliberately make children to say, Here's what, well, when As i a retirement old, plan,
2: <laughs> you'll take
0: care of me. But Jody, um, yeah. tell me. How, how has your view shifted from a child? Um, and let's say by chance, you grew up in a household that maybe made you feel as though you had to really work for assistance, um, you know? And it wasn't necessarily handed out to you or it wasn't easy to get that money or that support in whatever form. Um, so
3: that's the t- complete opposite of my childhood and my life. But I think in that regard, is and I'm big on having conversations um with my mom when I was you know when we were here and I was getting into adulthood I have to you know let her know I'm her only child as well um that you know you need to lighten up like I know that and then we had we also had a conversation in high school that you know we're in a different society now Hmm. and I think children should be able and should you know I mean even if they're not your parents are not receptive I do feel as though they will listen to you. They might not, you know, old people always step in their ways. Um, they might not listen to you, but it still shows them that like, hey, you know, I, I am raising a responsible adult. I am raising somebody responsible. I'm instilling these values and they can see that. They might not say that to you um, from the first, you know, after the initial conversation, but over over time, you'll see a change in the parents, you'll see a change in the, you know, your guardians, your grandparents, whoever it is that you're in that house with, that family um i'm very big on that and having conversations around money around like just finances in general and if you want to build generational wealth you have to someone has to start that conversation even if you Vital. feel like you're falling on deaf ears you have to have those conversations with your family because we have to bring each other up um i never had to have the financial conversation with my mom and my stepdad um because they did things in a way where it was very, un- it's very non-traditional for them as Guyanese parents, um, who he raised two kids and me and she raised one child, um, that they do the things that they do. I live on my own, but my mother still pays my phone bill, um, you know, not embarrassed Ooh. about it. I just not pay my car insurance because it's cheaper to be on car yes. insurance with her. Um, so, you know, my parents know that, yes, I'm, I'm an adult, I have a good paying job, I'm independent, but (laughs) at the end of the day, they're still my parents, you know, they don't expect me at any point in life, I, I, I don't feel to be, you know, be the one to help them they're but they're seeing that I can be the one to help them and that makes any sense like it makes you know so I think it's definitely a conversation to be had I think everyone should everyone today if you haven't had the conversation with your family um just have the conversation about generational wealth and what are we doing um and that you know this because I struggle you struggle thing doesn't work it doesn't build wealth it doesn't make us you know the next um gates or the next um, I don't think he has kids, but um Besos, like it doesn't make us those people because, and I hate to say this person, but it doesn't make us the next trumps because they help each other out. They mm-hmm. had those conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that's why they have the wealth that they have and their children have the wealth and they could carry this these legacies on because they realize if I struggle and you struggle, then I put that mentality into you and you take it to your children. No and way, no way it's going to be harder yeah. for our family name to have some sort of like, you know, longevity and have some sort of like what the kids like to call it, clout behind mm-hmm. it.
0: <laughs> yeah, but that clout is really and truly um, having a roadmap to financial freedom. Because if I'm raised mm-hmm. in a family that understands money and understands how money grows and how it can work for this infant that, screaming you know and this <laughs> child feels that they can at the appropriate age come and talk to me and maybe even say hey yeah i'm 12 right now but i have a business idea and because it's in yeah it's in that moment in time you never know if that child at your age could be making triple what you're making because you invested. and i think that's mm-hmm. that's what um specifically in the caribbean a lot of families don't realize that's your first mastermind group your first group of investors the first set of people who are supposed to push you, because rightfully said, Jody, you said, um, uh, the broke can't be creating. Well, the broke can only be creating broke. Because if mm-hmm. you have that broke mindset, yeah. you know you're gonna be pushing that onto the another generation. And I feel like an alien when I'm listening to you guys talk about your parents mm-hmm. <laughs> <What>? because <laughs> I never had that. I've been working since I was twelve, mm-hmm. and um, it was always a situation where. I am providing for myself and my sibling. Of course, my mom did some really vital things to have me where I am today, Mm -hmm. but it was never a relationship where we ever talked about money or talked about how we can be free of a paycheck to paycheck. I I basically um, realized that I didn't want to live the lives that my parents led, Mm -hmm. and I needed to shift things up. Mm -hmm. And similar for my partner, we were always expected to pay for things as, as the beginning of us making money and, and we can relate because we both started working at the same age and you're always expected to pay for things. I don't even live at home and I pay bills at home still. Mm-hmm. So um, how has your experience been with your um, family and money?
1: I think it's a bit of both worlds. Um, not that we grew up poor or anything like that, but what my parents did, well, my mom and dad were two different people when it came to money. My dad was that person about um, own your own stuff, don't work for nobody, don't work for nobody. And one time I was thinking, I think it was 12 too, I was just like, if everybody was working for themselves, we won't have anything in life because you won't want to work for him and yeah. you won't want to work for me. <laughs> so I was like, this is kind of strange. And then too, he was seeing this mindset of owning your own and running your own business, but he didn't actually teach us what money meant. My mom on the other side was different. She taught us about saving, but she also taught us what it means to hold on to money and not hold on to it tight, but knowing, okay, how to like stretch this and this costs this and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I live with my family of five, each of my siblings. I'm really proud of them that they also work for themselves in fields that they love and we all live under the same roof. My parents are just like, we're not in a rush to put you out or anything. I thought being independent and being an adult meant, meant that I lived on my own. Living in the U.S., that's not something that's a reality and that makes sense for certain families, especially mm-hmm. when you're moving out at like 17 and 18 with no knowledge about what finances is, um, sorry, are and how you're going to actually care for yourself. Because I have lived with my parents, I know how to run a household, I know how to do groceries, I know how to budget. I know how to do that like the back of my hand. Mm-hmm. So it's a plus for me. And also, it, it's a place where I can practice. If I'm just living on my own, of course, when I travel, it's different. But I love the fact that when I'm living in a whole other part of the world for six months, I know what to do. Yeah. I'm not crossing my fingers and hoping that anything works. I know exactly <laughs> what's happening. So I just, I'm grateful that my parents actually taught me what it meant for money. And then moving to the U.S. too, you have this thing about credit. No one didn't teach us about that. I had my first credit card, 500, because I was in college, so my mom put me under her little thing thing. (laughs) And I have my little 500 credit card, and I'm just swiping through. run it up. (laughs) Don't ask me how I ran up 500 and got bad credit from 500. But if somebody's looking at you and you can't manage five hundred of somebody else's money, Mm -hmm. you can't even manage five hundred of your own money. Of your own, yeah. So I had to be like, okay, I don't want to be this worst case to my parents. So let me just really like figure out how to do this. Because at one point I really felt bad because my mom was paying it, and it's just like she was getting mad at me. But I did not know what I was doing because no one taught me. So we had to go back and have that conversation of, okay, this is what this is. Now we're good. But those are just like the little things. You can't be upset with your kids about how they're spending money and how they're doing things. And you have not taught them how to do that. Mm -hmm. Because in most cases, they're learning what they see. Like if they see you spend more money on clothes and not pay the rent and not pay the car stuff, they're going to do that too. So I'm just Mm -hmm. saying... I'm not a parent, but I am the eldest of a lot of my siblings. Which makes you a quarter parent. Yes. I'm literally the second in command. (laughs) So I've literally had to learn how to do this stuff. And it's really it's really bad when you're not getting it right and you have other people depending on you. That's the part that is heartbreaking. When you don't get it right and you know like the next two or the next five. Is like literally suffering because you didn't
2: get it right. See, yeah. Yeah. So there is a pressure,
0: (laughs) and I feel as though there is a very, very real um, thing going on with the young people in our country. We know, statistically speaking, the majority of our population is between is under thirty, basically, Mm -hmm. and um, a lot of these young people are earning minimum wage, Mm -hmm. which does not surpass Mm 6000 for most jobs, especially in the public sector. Mm. All right? And how do you really... How do we try to help um, this big majority of people that are trying to wiggle out from, okay, I'm working every day, but I want to reach to a point where I'm not working for someone else. And maybe even if I am, I'm not really... Stifling these other aspects of myself just for the sake of paying this water bill, paying this light bill, paying my rent, and then you're, you're living in that hamster wheel.
2: I have a very, uh, un, um, you know, look, the, the answer for me is very difficult, right? You, you're now out of high school or whatever, or you know, you're know, now struggling through UG, you're making six dollars to $70,000 a, uh, a month, it might not be enough, all right? And, and you probably can't see a way out of it in the short term, And the reality is, that's how it's going to be. All right. What you have to do is just basically, uh, you know, I like to use a phrase, just tug it out. You know, you You have to, because if you keep tiling, right. And if, especially if you have your head on, and especially if you're pursuing some academic uh, endeavor, all right. Five, six months or a year later, something is going to show up. Yeah. For you. All right. You. The more, more, the more, you know, more opportunities are going to show up. You might have enough experiences to do, um, to go to the next job. All right. You can build on this. Leap, leap over to the next job. Get an extra ten thousand. All right. Keep changing up jobs. Keep trying to save. Keep trying to minimize your expenses until you're able to get yourself out of that rut. You just have to do the hard work if you're in that position right now, as so many young people are, all right? Like I said, you cannot lament. You have to take personal responsibility. You can't go and cry on the government or cry on your parents that, you know, you got to hand them 25% of your salary. You got to figure yourself out, right? Because, you know, one day you can wake up, you're 35, almost farting, and nothing because you've been crying you know, for All the past life. 20, to 15 years, yeah, you yeah. got to think your way out of this maze, this, this trap, right? You know, if you is a, an inventory clerk or a bond clerk at Gaffors or wherever, you're making minimum wage, you know, you know, you can't, you know you, you know, you can't reach your middle age at that job. You got to be thinking about your next step. You can't sit on, cry and give up about it.
0: Yeah, there is no...
2: There's no inspiration or pretty thing I can tell you. You just got to do the work.
0: And there is no big gold Mm -hmm. ticket out. I love the fact that you said that you got to tug it out because that's exactly what you (laughs) have to do. And there is no easy way to getting rich. All right, kudos to the people who are benefiting from generational wealth. They're coming from money and they understand that. But guess what? Those people go broke too. Mm -hmm. They do because you have to learn. You still have to create your own relationship with money and sometimes unlearn. And then learn something that feels more like you and works for you. Mm-hmm. It, it's different. I mean, I'm a hippie. I know I don't look like a hippie right now. <laughs> but trust and believe, in a couple of years, my ideal life is a big plot of land, a creek at the bottom, and a van at the top. <laughs> Seriously. And mm-hmm. and you just also have to, something that you said earlier, Mr. Abdul, know what you want. Mm-hmm. You have to know what you want mm-hmm. and plot it there. And there is a valid piece that I want to draw from each of you for our listeners, because I think it's going to help each of us. I want us to share some of the best books that you've read that really helped you Ooh. to switch. <laughs> yes, Jody, <laughs> <laughs> to switch your mental and how you view yeah, yeah. life and in turn money. So, Jody, let's go with you first. Yeah.
3: So I'm a big reader. Um, I got I lit up when you said that question, because I'm currently like in another book journey. Um, But one of my favorite, favorite books, and I actually shared this with my um, my boss on Monday, it's called The Slight Edge. And The Slight Edge basically teaches you how to take your small habits and turn them into bigger successes. So teaching you, you know, when you feel like, oh, I don't feel like going to the gym today and blah, 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 blah. You have to fight that resistance because the habit that you have is to not go to the gym. You are trying to build a better habit. And how I teach a lot of my personal um, finance uh, clients is that this is a habit. It's just a bad one. We're just trying to reprogram that habit. Um, So The Slide Edge is a great book to read, listen to, I don't know, type it up, write an essay about it. But I try to revisit that book every year. Um, Another one that's not about kind of, it's kind of similar, but um, The Four Agreements. Um, I live by those four agreements. Um, I take it in every aspect of my life. Um, One of my really good friends, Shai West, she she is the one that told me about that book. Um, And it really talks about what the, the four basic things in life that you need to just have a peaceful life. Whether that is in relationships, platonic or romantic, your finances, at work, it's just bringing that harmony into yourself. Um, And I'll give you one more. I am currently reading The Wealth Choice, um, and it is about a lot of, like, Black business owners and what they did and the struggles that they went through. And I get a lot of inspiration from that because these are people that I know that, you know, all I've ever seen them is rich. I didn't know that they were, you know, struggling on a couch and doing this. I didn't know these stories. Um, and then they just pinpoint on on things that are just like, okay, these are the things that you need to be wealthy and be in these places and sacrifice, you know, thugging it out is one of them. It's like, you have to sacrifice things at, at one point. It's a, it's a short-term thing for these long-term goals and aspirations that you have and these plans, but you have to, have to, have to always make sure that like, you're sticking to it. Like it might, it's going to seem hard at first, but in the long term, I'm 26 now. And at 22, I didn't know I was going to be here, but I know I was sacrificing a lot of things at 22 to be where I am at 26. So yeah, those are my three. Those are my three and I'm done. <laughs> Thank you
0: so much for those select finds. Now tell us, Mr. Abdul, what's a book that you rather really hit home to you?
2: Well, uh, I don't know You know, if you guys go, i to be happy with the name. Donald Trump's uh, has, is an author is an author, right? Um, Think big is one, right? And I think it has to do with what J.D. was mentioning about... Uh, J.D. alluded to something uh, like leverage, right? For example, right, I did indicate I want to go into commercial real estate, but I also want to open a business, right? And a really big one, right? And I really want, like, be making, like, two, three million dollars a month. That's not enough. I I want... like global scale right and like there are many avenues like you know the the u.s international uh, finance corporation the international Development corporations you can take equity financing so that basically what our book meant was that if you're going to if you have a target of a million dollars why not 10 yeah why not one billion dollars a month you know <laughs> the Go money is it. out there for you. Go and get it. So Think Big would be one. All right, because a lot of the other books I, I, I have read are very popular, and people are probably already know the names, and, and they're probably about the mechanics of personal finance. But when it comes to really making big moves, Think Big by Donald Trump is, is a good one. There's one, one on mm-hmm. the top shelf for you. Yeah. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Mm,
1: I really wish I remembered the authors, but you can just find the names. Okay. So the first <laughs> one is The Quantum Leap. That one talks about the same thing about leverage and thinking big. Um, the Power of Now definitely talks about procrastination. I used to be a huge procrastinator, but it definitely teaches you how to get things done in the now, the moment that you think about it. Um, another one would be The Alchemist. Oh. I think that's a good that's read a really good for hook. people who, you know, want to learn about stuff like that. And um, The Richest Man in Babylon, Babylon, that yes. one yes. is read it twice, <laughs> three yeah. times. Yeah. It's so good. I actually so did read good. it twice. Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah, those are the two. Awesome. And for any beginners, you know, if you're just really now figuring out what you want to do with your money because you know you're not doing the right thing, um, two really easy, quick reads are think and grow rich it's really simple and it's strategic like it literally gives you steps on what to do um mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people can relate to rich dad poor dad just because you have really two big influences in your life and you got to choose which one you're going to go with those are really two easy ones and <laughs> definitely read read that book twice that one is a, a killer do you want me to do back my closing? Okay, I got you. So just before we go, I want to ask our guests tonight, Mr. Abdul and Jody, do you have anything that you'd like to tell our viewers just before we wrap up?
3: Um, I can go first. Um, I would just say, if you guys, I know you guys have like a younger audience, um, and just know that it is okay, it is going to be okay. Um, you will not be in this position um, and Mr. Abdul said it he hit it on the head earlier about not lament just not sitting in that feeling for the rest of your life mm-hmm. and complaining and you know do something about it. We have 24 hours in a day everybody does have a different 24 hours. Um, we still on the clock yes but everyone has different things they have to do in their 24 hours, but take some time every day to either read a chapter figure out you know how to create a business plan. Um just anything that you know that's going to take you to the next step, take some time out every day to do those things and you will see in years, in a year, how far you would have come mm-hmm. um, and follow all of us for um, for any advice. <laughs> I know personally, I am always open to having these conversations with you if you need to find me on socials. Um, I don't know if you guys are going to link my socials in the description. We definitely um, will. On the podcast episode, yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. You can reach out to me on social media. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I have an email address. I'll give you guys all of that. Um, And just reach out and talk to people that inspire you. Um, That's what I did. People that inspired me, I, you know, kept relationships with them. Um, I network, I network, I network. Um, And they say your network is your network. So, and that's true. So network with as many people and connect with as many people. Get to know them. Let them get to know you as well and have there be some sort of mutual agreement or mutual relationship when you're networking as well. Um, but just know that it is not the end of the road, that you will get where, you, where you're where you dreaming to be if you are really putting in that work and you are taking those sacrifices and just doing, doing what you need to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's only the beginning for a lot of us.
3: Mr. Abdul... Mm-hmm.
0: Do you have any advice for our viewers?
2: Yes. Right. So a lot of... Again, you're right. You said that a lot of them are young, right? They're young, they're hungry, they're impatient, all right? Um, you know, they, they see especially people who have who would have had a, a leg up on them, you know, because of their family situation, being richer than them, buying nicer things than them, traveling and so forth, all right? Don't, don't, don't be impatient and then do something bad. I mean... You know the goal the goal if your goal is not to the goal is not to like be rich at 70, right? I get that, all right? But at the same time, be careful and pragmatic about how you plan your financial. Your, your financial planning should be something you think about. For me, it's every day. I have an Excel spreadsheet with everything down to the dollar, all right? And a separate thing with, with my with all my financial plans, right? Like what, what I want to do in my next step. So basically, all right if you if say for example you have a hundred thousand dollars now all right you're only going to be thinking about what you're going to do with a hundred thousand dollars then you'll see a few months later it's a million dollar of dollars and then some more ideas come the point is as you get more and more money you open the universe just sends stuff into your brain about what yeah. you can do right. so don't be sad that you have a, a lack of ideas at this time as you accumulate more cash and that's why it's important to save as you get more money All right, the ideas will come. All right, so don't, 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 don't like you know, be sad about having a lack of ideas, they will come as you get more money. So, you have to save for that to happen.
0: Some star quality advice there. I'm really, really thankful that you guys, both Jody and Mr. Abdul, took time out of your schedule. To have us pick your brain, and for my beautiful and quite intelligent co-host, Vanita, allowing the smooth flow of conversation, it was candid and it was just what we needed, these conversations need to happen way more and I think our viewers feel the same because we need to find a way out of the rut and the only way to do that is to ask questions even if they're silly ones because you would have fulfilled a part in you that just didn't know before mm-hmm. and viewers of course if you have any questions that you like us to ask of course bring our guests back on for a part two of financial freedom Comment below this video and let us know. We are so thankful for you. We're a growing family here at Balancing the Bars. And we are excited to delve into more issues that you care about because they're close to our hearts as well. Thank you so much for watching this episode of Balancing Balancing the Bars, Bars, where where balance brings brings peace. peace.